0: This week on TSR, Goose gets a poster.
1: John Boyega's hands are dirty.
0: EA cancels another Star Wars game.
1: And we look at the first half of Resistance.
0: All that and more on this week's TSR. Listeners, welcome back to TSR. Uh, hey, Nancy, how's it going?
1: Hi, Brian. It's going.
0: It's been a while, and we're very, very sorry.
1: <laughs> we are.
0: Okay, so we told you that we were taking a little break for the holidays. That was true. We had family in town. Great, great. That's all fine and good. It um, makes it
1: difficult to podcast when they're staying in your house.
0: Yes, it it, it does. Uh, the bigger problem is I got sick for almost three weeks.
1: You did, which makes it hard to talk when you're coughing yeah, profusely. So...
0: <laughs> Uh, as much as you, as much as we may have wanted to get a podcast or two out there, I don't think anyone would have lo- wanted to listen to me coughing up my lungs for an hour. So <laughs> we just didn't record. But now yeah. we're back.
1: We are back and, and not coughing. Yes,
0: correct. That's a that's good. And we have a guest this week. Hi, Megan. Hello, Megan. As you know, is a host of Western Reaches here and one of the hosts of the Vaughn Cast, uh, which recently featured the greatest hits of. Uh, Evanescence. Evanescence.
2: <laughs> yes, we had to have it for Dark Journey for Jaina's angst, and it turned out to be a book that was a lot more than angst. It was it was a really good time. We all like Jaina very much, and uh, thank you for putting that in there.
0: But also angst.
2: <laughs> yes. I, I heard, I was in the bedroom
1: and all of a sudden heard Evanescence start playing, and I was like, what the hell is happening? And then I was like, oh no, Brian... Are you using this for the Voncast? And
2: he's like, Yes, I am. <laughs> he's um using his his fair use section of evanescence in yeah. the right way. Yeah. I think we're probably gonna go back to like normal Von music now, but we've had a couple really good. I like, think
1: you need I do it. think you need something for Traitor.
2: Yes. Some- okay, we'll come back to this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> something super angsty again for Trader. <laughs> I'll, I'll think about it.
0: Uh, yeah, but well, we've been up to a bunch of stuff, haven't we, Nancy? Yes. That's the segue cue.
1: It is. And you're first. Am I? Yes.
0: But there's a bullet point before that.
1: Well, we had holiday magic. We did holiday things.
0: Go listen to uh, Mousetroid we for went more on of a,
1: that. We went on a Christmas cruise. It was fantastic.
0: More of that again on the mouse droid. Uh, I started playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which continues my uh, run of coming to games way, way late.
2: <laughs> yeah, you came in at an interesting time, didn't you? I sure did. Oh, wait, why is it interesting? I know nothing about video games. Uh, Megan, you want to take this one? <laughs> Sure, it's interesting because one of the main selling points of Assassin's Creed Odyssey was that for the first time in the series you could choose to play either as a male or female protagonist and be either and romance either men or women so you could headcanon your character as bi, you could headcanon them as gay, whatever you wanted to do Um, the latest expansion um, supposedly in order to continue the lineage that is an important part of like Assassin's Creed lore makes your characters Settle down with someone of the opposite sex and have a child, and you cannot change that. And a lot of players were justifiably upset that their role play and their representation had not been, uh, was not allowed to be part of the canon, since this, the character settles down and has a child is now the canon ending. That's that came. That sounds uh, bad. like came out last week or something. It's a relatively recent DLC that did this.
0: Yeah, mm. I'm. Uh, I'm doing that Michael Scott cringe gif right now. That's. Uh,
2: that's that's
0: not, not great.
1: Yeah, is this a Bioware game?
0: Uh, no, um, uh. Ubisoft, I believe. Uh, yes. Is the pub okay. on this one.
2: Very Bioware esque. Um, that's definitely <laughs> one of the things that got me excited about this game was that it was it was Assassin's Creed with Bioware mechanics. That's yeah. why this is
0: the first Assassin's Creed game I've ever played.
2: <laughs> so it was. Uh, I think understandable that people were rather shocked by this ending, especially if you had gone into it going, uh, as a lot of people that I know did, going, I want to play as a lesbian and then were basically unable to incorporate that into the end game.
1: Yeah. That's kind of lame. Yeah, that's uh... they could have thought of another way to like have the lineage go on, I'm assuming. Like they're writers, they can figure it out. <laughs> I you know you have a long lost sibling who it's can a, have a kid. <laughs> well it's it's kind of a
0: fantastical universe, so you could have figured something out, I yeah. assume.
2: Yeah. I almost feel lucky that I I did get bored with the game at about hour twelve or so. So I I was not super invested. I, I personally didn't enjoy it all that much as a game experience, so I wasn't invested enough to be upset that like my whatever I viewed as that character's family did not work out. But I totally understand that people are, you know, people are justifiably upset. Yeah.
0: And this is going to be yet another reason that instead of playing a new, my new games library, I'm just going to start another Mass Effect replay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's fine. Right? it's what I do. <laughs> uh,
0: Nancy, what about you?
1: Um, I read, well, I have been reading the Verkozigan books for our podcast. I just finished Cryoburn, which Robin and I are going to cry about this month really bad. Uh, it was a good book, and Lois McMaster Visual continues to be like the most amazing author ever and but I'm very upset with what she did in a book that just came out nine years ago Oh no!
2: <laughs> and that
1: I knew what was happening because uh, I've been spoiled but um I am very excited to read the last book uh in our podcast read podcast read through uh which is Gentleman Joel and the Red Queen and then I will be done <laughs> With Rick and Books. Well, what are you going to do podcast-wise after that? <laughs> Nothing. I'm not going to do anything, and don't you dare try to get me to do something else.
0: <laughs> oh, but you and Robin have such a good thing going.
1: Well, maybe we'll read other books, but I, I've i been doing book read-through podcasts for, like, three years, and I think I'm done with them. <laughs> I need to just have open time to be able to read whatever books I want to read. Okay, uh,
0: that that's fair. Yeah. That is fair. But,
1: uh... I, I do actually have two books that in the Verkozigan series I haven't read, um, but they're, they don't involve like the main family. So I will probably end up reading them eventually just because I like her. And I bought some of her fantasy books that were on sale. So we might end up doing a podcast anyway when I finally get around to reading those. But I did read two new books while we were on the cruise that I had been wanting to read uh, since the summer. And they're the Lady Astronaut books by Mary Robinette Cowell, or Cowell. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. Um, And they are The Calculating Stars and The Faded Sky. They're two books. And the main character is Elma York. And the story starts in 1952. Her and her husband are, like, vacationing in the mountains. They're a newlywed couple. And all of a sudden, there's a meteor strike, and they happen to escape, they, they, they get away, um, and they find out the entire eastern seaboard has been basically destroyed. DC, the meteor hit off the coast of DC, so like, you know, the entire government was basically destroyed. I think it was like the Secretary of Agriculture ended up becoming the president. Uh, and so it's how they end up... Um, and it's an alternate universe, obviously, but it's an alternate universe before this because Dewey has become president and the space program is a lot more advanced. Uh, they're launching satellites in 1952. and so it's basically them realizing that the meteor is going to destroy life on the planet eventually and how do they f- how do they get humans off the planet? So they form in like an international version of NASA to uh, to basically colonize space, and it's really great. I think she calls it punch card punk.
0: Oh my god, I love that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So and and Elma is a computer, uh, which you will know the term from Hidden Figures, and her husband is one of the um, like aerospace engineers. So they are like two of the Like he ends up being like one of the main heads of the space program. and she ends up like helping, or she ends up working in Mission Control and calculating all of the uh, like launch and orbiting coordinates and stuff. But she really wants to be an astronaut. And um, they don't want women to be astronauts, even though there's nothing like against it in the first call. Um, they still don't pick any, so she basically becomes sort of a um, advocate and is like, "We need to have women in space because we need to show people it's safe." And how are you going to colonize space without women? Um, so she becomes known as like the lady astronaut because of her work. But there's a lot of great stuff with also um, when it comes to like race, because. Um, She gets called out a lot by um, fellow uh, black pilots who are like, yeah, have you noticed there are no black people on the list too? And she's like, oh, no. Uh, So it's it's a really great, they're really great books. I really, really enjoyed them. And there's going to be more in the series. So I am super excited about that. So I highly, highly recommend them. They're two of my favorite books of the year. And it's my jam. <laughs> it's <laughs> alternate, alternate
0: history space stuff?
1: Alternate history space stuff. I'm mad I didn't think of this book sooner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, oh, I forgot to mention on the cruise, uh, I read uh, Chuck Wendig's Zeros, which was great and appeals to people who grew up with the internet of a certain period of time.
1: Ah, very uh, cool.
0: So if you're into BBS and uh, <laughs> hacky things, you'd love Zeros. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that book also ties into my favorite Chuck Wendig novel, Invasive. So if you've read that, also read Zeroes. Ah. Uh, Megan, what have you does. been up to?
2: So I recently finished Crown of Thunder, the second book in the Beasts Made of Night series, which is a YA fantasy duology. It's really cool. It's kind of a combination of, like, it feels a little bit Assassin's Creed-ish and a little bit anime, probably because the author at one point refers to auto mail, and I was just like, hmm, that's anime. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is about, like, monsters made of sort of smoky, oily substance that manifest um if people sin, is, like, the simple version of the kind of fantasy, like, magic system. And it's a lot about people with knives fighting giant monsters. Um, the pace is is pretty fast. It's kind of like your typical YA uh, writing style, but the fight scenes are really cool and the magic system is really unique, so uh, I like that a lot. I've also been playing Spider-Man for the PlayStation. Uh, it came out a couple months ago, but I'm Finally, just now getting into it, I'm a little burnt out on superheroes, but I bought this because a friend helped work on it and I wanted to support her. But it turns out to be just a really solid game. The traversal is a lot of fun, the dialogue is really energetic, now that I've seen Spider-Verse I have a little bit more of like a connection to the characters. And it's a good time. It's an open world game. So like I've been spending a lot of time just going and finding things and, you know, checking off boxes. And it's, it's been quite satisfying.
0: Did you have the same experience where I did, where the first time you just started slinging webs and just traversing the city, there, it just felt kind of magical and you kind of marveled over how, they, how did they nail this uh, travel mechanic?
2: I will fully admit that I wasn't very good at it to start off with, so a little bit of the magic was lost because I was just so inept.
1: <laughs> but
2: now that I've gotten a hang of it, I don't know if you've done the um, the uh, research stations. I did one of the first research stations where what you have to do is swing through like clouds of oh, pollution. Yes,
0: I did that one.
2: Um, And it's actually really fun, because you have to swing really high, and you can like swing off of cranes, and now that I'm comfortable with the control scheme, it feels very fluid, so that's kind of, it took a while for me, but the magic did arrive, you know?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've played other Spider-Man games, and uh, this is definitely the first one where uh, traveling via web actually is fun.
2: A lot of the reviews mention that there's no real incentive to use the tr- fast travel because the web traversal is just so pleasant, and I found that to be completely true.
0: Okay, here's the thing. This is the first I've heard that there's fast travel in it because I've enjoyed that enjoyed the web <laughs> sling so much.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think like there there is, but it you don't really need it.
0: Nah, it's it, it's plenty of fun without. Uh, hey, the news.
2: Yes, uh, the news.
0: And, and we have a very important piece of news in that the...
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'll let you take this the, one. <laughs>
0: the star of Captain Marvel has a brand new poster. <laughs> That's right, Goose the Cat.
1: <laughs> the most important poster.
0: The most important poster. I love
1: how all of the posters, they're like, you know, they're all so serious. Because they're like the character-focused posters. So they're all the characters, like, looking badass and, like, ready to go fight and save the world. And then there's just the cat just staring at the camera like super serious
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm still a little sad that the cat's name is goose and not chewy
1: yeah i
0: i get why
1: but i can still be sad explained why they changed it or they just changed
0: probably marketing
1: i mean that makes sense because you know having i mean i don't know but there might be, because it takes place in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like, if now, if like she ends up in the current days, she might get a new cat and name it Chewy. So, possible. Also, like, if it's in the 90s, it would make, I think it would make sense for her to have a Top Gun named. Y- yeah. Cat.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to make a reference, it's for this movie, it'll be a Top yeah. Gun reference.
1: She hasn't even seen the Star Wars prequels yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we know in the comics carol is a giant star wars nerd yeah uh spider-man far from home got a new trailer uh nick fury's in it really yeah you uh, haven't watched it no. have you <laughs> why it. we put it in here
1: i've been i've been found out <laughs> listen i haven't seen the first spider-man so <laughs> my interest is low i'm sure i will see the first spider-man before i see in our end game, you know, just because for completionist reasons. But like I also have been gone to see Into the Spider-Verse even though everyone has said how great it is because I'm like I mean Spider-Man is fine, there's nothing wrong with Spider-Man, I've just never been a spider fan. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: As someone who's also not really a Spider fan, Spider-Verse is very good. But you're making me feel better about the fact that I watched the trailer like once in preparation for this and don't have much <laughs> else to say about it.
1: <laughs> I I will say that I didn't add this, but in related news... Um, our friend of the show, Preeti Chabur, who is one of the hosts of Desi Geek Girls, which hopefully will be coming back soon, um, is now is go writing a tie-in book for- to Spider-Man Far From Home. And that's really, really exciting. And I'm super happy for her because she is a huge Spider-Man fan. <laughs> so I can't think of anyone else better to write a book about Peter Parker. So
0: yay, congrats congrats, Preeti, We're so happy for you. Yes. Uh, I should pull up the show notes again and stop <laughs> looking at TweetDeck. Deck.
1: Yeah, uh, you should do that. Uh, there
0: is a new Star Trek show on the way starring Michelle Yeoh, and that is awesome. Which means I finally have to watch Discovery.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> isn't this supposed to be like in the mirror universe, so you don't really have to watch Discovery? I is it? That's what I heard. It's her mirror universe character who's kind of evil. Well, in that case,
0: <laughs> I still need to get CBS All Access.
1: Yeah. Um, but the, sh- the showrunners are two women, two Asian women, I, th- I believe.
0: And we cast a wayward eye towards Star Wars.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, that is
0: seriously cool news. Uh, we will be talking about that much more on the KanjiCast next week. Yes uh in sadder star trek news star trek 4 apparently is shelved
1: yeah that's a bummer because they had hired a woman uh director i believe she's doing something else now i can't remember what it was but i know she's attached to a new project but um and i think that might be one of the reasons why this got shelved but they were just have they were not like committing to getting chris hemsworth or and i'm like okay, hi, yeah, get Chris Hemsworth. Do what you need to do to get Chris Hemsworth to be in your Star Trek movie. And then people were like, well, this is, it doesn't have to be Chris Hemsworth. It can be any guy playing his dad. I'm like, no, that scene is iconic. <laughs> that scene made Chris Hemsworth a star. He needs to be in it as his dad. But yeah, I'm, a bu- I'm bummed because I really liked the Trek 2009 movies, except for <laughs> The second one, which we will not speak of. No,
0: we will not speak of into darkness. No. Uh, and here is a complicated one for me. Yeah. Um, a Ghostbusters sequel is coming a a sequel to Ghostbusters two, and I have feel I have complicated feelings about this because my first fandom is Ghostbusters.
1: Aww.
0: And I really liked Paul Feig's Ghostbusters, and this isn't going to tie into that, but I also really like the original timeline. So my solution is Spider Verse the shit out of
1: this. <laughs> are there other Ghostbusters like timelines?
0: Uh, there is a cartoon timeline.
1: There's a cartoon um, timeline. The real
0: Ghostbusters, which was the '80s cartoon, which is an offshoot from the movies.
1: Are they the same characters though, or are different characters? They are
0: the same characters, but it's its own universe. Oh. Okay. Uh, and that universe ties into the real Ghost or uh, the Extreme Ghostbusters, the which extreme was the '90s. Yes, which was the '90s cartoon and. Sh- be quiet! I loved it. it was I mean, great. that's a
1: very '90s name.
0: <laughs> and I need a Spider Verse thing to happen here because I need my goth fave Kylie from Extreme Ghostbusters to hang out with Holtzman. That would be cool. So, so Jason Reitzman, come on!
1: Are, are they are they going to use new Ghostbusters? Like
0: the rumor is, uh, it will be four new characters. Uh, Either in their teens or early twenties, uh, two uh, two guys and two girls.
1: Okay, that's it's really confusing. Like, why not just continue the new series? Because
0: Bill Murray does not want to do that, and I guess and Sony never really seemed to want to do Paul Feig's Ghostbusters, which is disappointing.
1: It's it is disappointing, and you can feel. I, liked, I you, liked that movie. You can
0: feel in that movie where Sony was meddling. Chris
1: with Hemsworth it. was in that movie. <laughs> Speaking of Chris, Hemsworth. Chris
0: Hemsworth was great. <laughs> he in was that so movie. funny
1: in that movie. Oh my god! I, like, if nothing else, Ghost,
0: the Paul Feig Ghostbusters was worth it, just so everyone finally got the picture that Chris Hemsworth is funny. Yeah. So we could get Thor Ragnarok.
1: Exactly. Like. I mean I feel bad because it's you know like female ghostbusters woo girl power and like my favorite part of that movie is Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> but he's just so funny when he's like which picture is best and he's like <laughs> playing the saxophone. And then when he's when they're like are you going to answer the phone he's like oh it's in the fish tank. He just has the driest delivery. Uh, I'm excited for the new Men in Black.
0: Yes, I am too, because it reunites uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, and bisexuals all over the planet (laughs) will be found dead when that releases.
1: Oh, please don't die. (laughs) That would be sad.
0: Uh, Let's move on to some Star Wars, shall we?
1: Yes, we should.
0: John Boyega has an Instagram post from the set of Episode Nine in which he has dirty hands. He has
1: two Instagram posts actually, but the one it has with him and with dirty hands, to which my response was, "So does this mean that Poe and Ven get dirty?" <laughs> um, but yes, I'm excited because John Boyega is great in action scenes, and I like. I know some other, like, podcasts and, you know, people on Twitter have talked about, like, the possibility of a Stormtrooper rebellion, and I'm like, the idea of Finn leading a Stormtrooper
2: rebellion is, like, the greatest idea ever. (laughs) That is a great fan theory. To me, this picture was kind of a promise that Finn's gonna get another big action scene, which is not exactly a surprise, but is good. There have been some kind of leaked photos of... I don't know how much we want to talk about this, but like of certain landscapes that he might find himself in, that I think could be very well the site for this. Um, however, he gets his hands dirty, yeah. uh, so that's a possibility. And I'm just looking forward to whatever you know heroism he has coming for him, yes. because I think that's one of the one of the most exciting things about episode nine is going to be these like really big action scenes.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm super super excited to see what happens. I'm also kind of terrified <laughs> to see what happens. Uh, the other one I think was of his dressing room and Daisy Ridley like left him a note on his uh, mirror. I forget what it was, but she was like ragging on him. Now I have to look it up to find. Oh, oh I haven't seen. I that. missed that one too. Yeah, we have to find that one now. Tom Brady Instagram. Uh, let me see. Why do I? Oh, <laughs> it's, there's a sign and it says "Prize Idiot of the Sets," <laughs> <laughs> and he he was already he wrote Daisy leaves me the most loving messages. <laughs> Aww, Aww. Yeah.
0: This, that
1: makes me happy because that means they're on set at the same time. I mean, uh, episode. But I think we we already knew that they were, um, like, doing stuff together, but. Uh, like, yeah, I I, I I really like it's not that I don't like Rose. I just really missed Finn and Ray together in episode eight. They have such
0: lovely chemistry. They really,
2: really, really yes. do. <laughs> and it's a chance for the whole trio to be toge- together. Yes. And I- and with Rose too. They can be a quad
1: what what would it be? quadruple <laughs> quartet a quartet that's the word
2: there you go it's like what i i don't know
0: i'm just imagining all four of them on the falcon while something bad is happening and they're trying to work their way out of it and it makes me happy
1: yeah they've, they're they all so complementary with each other and it would be like a really good contrast to uh like Kylo being all by himself constantly looking over his shoulder for Hux to try to kill him and meanwhile the the four of them are like super happy camaraderie fun times and it's just like
2: yeah Kylo this could be you but you are being a jerk <laughs> that's a good point the contrast yeah. like fandom has given us so much good uh, trio content and the movies have not so much, mm-hmm. and I want them to. I know, I know.
1: I'm like so. It's like every when uh, the lead up to the Force Awakens, everyone was like, "Oh, like Poe, Finn, and Ray are so great, and I love them already." And then we got really great Poe and Finn content. We got really great Finn and Ray content, but we didn't get them all together. <laughs> and I'm like. I'm like okay, so Poe and Ray have now introduced themselves to each other. They're on the Falcon. They, they they've been having conversations, you know, because we know from the mm-hmm. Poe Dameron comics, so they can mm-hmm. all be they can all be friends now.
2: Let's all be friends. Yes, and it feels like they've been friends for years because I they know. have been friends in all the fan art. Yes, but that's not <laughs> like in the movies. And it when it is, it will be a beautiful thing. Yeah, it will. I'm so excited for all that.
1: Oh,
0: my precious cinnamon rolls. I love you all so much. <laughs> uh, Electronic Arts cancels another Star Wars game. <laughs> this one, uh, codenamed Project Orca. This was going to be the replacement for Visceral's ragtag uh, that was headed up by, I believe, their Vancouver studio. And yeah,
1: so that one is, is
0: gone as well. This
1: is not the Jedi Fallen Order, correct? Uh, no. Okay.
2: okay. This was... You would have played as a bounty hunter.
1: Oh.
2: Um, (laughs) My tone shows my excitement.
0: Yeah, yeah. um.
2: As, As much as I do really want a good, solid Star Wars open world game... The Bounty Hunter stuff is not a big draw for me either. So I think this is unfortunate for the studios and unfortunate for the people that were working on this and thought maybe this was like the project that was going to end up coming to fruition. But it's hard for me to get excited for something that we haven't seen any. Uh, information about and that sounds a lot like 1313 which was also canceled so we shall see one day our star wars video game will come that is the spiritual (laughs) successor to kotor but it is not this day
0: no it's not and you know i I do see a lot of people that are mad electronic arts and electronic arts is not exactly i'd say uh showered themselves in glory Uh, With how they've held the license, but I'm I'm also getting the impression that Lucasfilm might be a little difficult to work with
2: as a game developer. Comments, which I think are the same things that you're referring to, some news about how the studios found it onerous to work under the approval system that Lucasfilm had in place, and that's I, I mean, on the one hand, a lot of licensees do it. On the other hand, that's understandable if there's a real like. Uh, company culture clash you're gonna have trouble
1: yeah it's it's sad because like i know there was a lot of controversy about battlefront 2 and the whole like game mechanics and all that stuff but the story part of it was so good um that i'm like can't you do that like with like and make that its own game like that it was just I mean, I didn't play the game, but I watched the game, <laughs> and like that's what I that's what I would love another
2: another game like that. But I mean, I agree. I think the story of Battlefront Two was the thing that I was most invested in in the whole game. But that is the part. You're also now in a world in terms of the video game industry where people are looking for a continuous experience so that the game can continue to make money. Yeah. And the story is not the part that continues to make mm-hmm. money. Right. But still, still rooting for that single player game that one day will happen. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I I honestly wonder if that single player experience is going is going to ultimately be a triple A blockbuster title or if eventually we might see something that's a little more uh, I don't want to I don't want to call it indie but uh, something that's more constrained in scope.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, more small scale because you're right it wouldn't be indie if it was licensed just like by nature yeah. but something more small scale. Yeah. Or if they might like
1: go whole hog into the whole VR and a ar experiences because they've they've been doing a lot of those with yeah. the uh the secrets of the empire and the the vader experience that's coming out um
0: by the way oculus uh hey if you need anyone <laughs> to test that
1: stuff for, uh, hi uh, shameless brian shameless yes <laughs>
0: uh yeah so that's a bummer another uh, another game canceled um Making Star Wars games is hard and it's been hard for it's been hard for a long time. (laughs) It goes all the way back to LucasArts, but someday our game will come.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So here's how long it's been
0: here's how long it's been since we've recorded. (laughs) We haven't talked about the Mandalorian news on the show yet. I
1: looked and I was like two days after we recorded that they announced the casting. So uh, the rumors were true, Pedro Pascal is starring in The Mandalorian. Um, I'm I'm very curious to see if he's going to be uh, masked the whole time. Uh, I would imagine that would be kind of silly to get like someone that well known uh, and then never show his face, (laughs) but who knows? Uh, And also starring is Gina Carano, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, emily swallow carl weathers which that's yeah uh omid abati and werner herzog which everyone was really excited about and i don't know and nick nolte um so yeah Those that's a very I mean.
0: that's a very interesting cast although for me the thing i'm still most excited about is taika waititi's doing an episode or two Yeah.
1: yes, yes. Absolutely, hundred percent.
0: If this is if this is all of the Taika sensibilities we will get in Star Wars, I will still be extremely happy. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, maybe he'll do this and realize, hey, I really like it, and then he'll agree to do a full length feature film or just his own TV show. Could you imagine like a Taika showrun Star Wars show? That would be so ridiculous.
0: That is the Boba Fett story I want. It
1: is yes 100 percent um i i still am i still will not be surprised at all if boba fett ends up showing up in this series um because they have been super cagey about him surviving the sarlacc pit and i fully expect that to be like one of the things that happens in the show so and that way when it does happen i'll just be
2: like oh yeah of course (laughs) and then if it doesn't i'll be like oh fine no more boba fett (laughs) The part about this that I'm most interested in, other than Taika Waititi, is Gina Carano, who is a mixed martial artist. And I really want her to be a Darth Maul or a Saj Ventress type character where she's mostly known for like jumping out of the shadows and attacking people. (laughs) Yeah, we
1: really, we really need more female villains, like, period, in Star Wars. But we haven't really had any in live action except for. captain phasma and we really we really need more of them (laughs) like
2: way way more
0: (laughs) i am here for all that yes yeah
2: whether she's a villain or a hero i'm just really excited to see what they do with her fight choreography yeah exactly and i'm like i'm interested to learn more about the show
1: like i've never been super invested in like mandalorian culture or anything um i was more interested in it in uh rebels um, but that was mostly because of the connection to Sabine and liking Sabine so much. So I think a lot of my interest is going to be whether or not I really like this character um, and how he connects to the whole, like, culture. Because, like, I, you know, Mandalore is... Where is... Is Mandalore in, like, the... Like... Where is Mandalore in the galaxy?
0: I am the last person to ask about galactic <laughs> charts.
1: Because I'm like, this is supposed to be like sort of on the edge, like more like wild space area. So like I'm wondering if like he has been kind of like away from Mandalore, like Sabine was. And I just want to know more about it. I'm assuming we'll find out soon in about Three months? Actually,
0: uh, this is a good point to tie in some news we got yesterday.
1: We didn't
0: get news yesterday? Yes. uh, Disney Plus is going to be shown off at the same time Celebration is happening. So there's a lot of speculation that uh, we're going to see a bunch of Mandalorian stuff at Celebration uh, because that dovetails nicely into getting the non-Star Wars, non-Celebration folks hyped up for... uh, And ready to buy Disney Plus.
1: That would make sense. Um, Also exciting for the Mandalorian is... So so there's a joke that whenever we go on vacation, there's specifically a cruise... Uh, there's news that drops, and this is because the first time we went on a cruise together was when they announced that JJ Abrams was going to be directing episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how long ago that was. Uh, so it's just become a running joke ever since then. And uh, we did get some news while we were on a boat. Well, we were in St. Thomas at the time, so <laughs> we actually were able to uh, see the news, um, and that's that liquid. Ligwood- Goranson is going to compose the score for the Mandalorian and that makes me very excited because he was the composer for Black Panther which I freaking loved that score um
0: that score was so good
1: he also did uh Creed Creed 2 Venom (laughs) and Fruitvale Station and in television Brian he did Community
0: he did Community
1: yep Community and New Girl apparently Community's
0: Community has some clever music throughout its run, so hey, I can see that.
1: Uh, he also has produced records for Haim and Chance the Rapper, and he recently received three Grammy nominations for his work with Donald Glover on the latest Childish Gambino album. So he is very, very good. Um, but yes, I'm excited to hear his hear, hear his take on Star Wars music.
0: That is one of the things I'm liking about spin-off movies and television stuff is seeing other or er, er, hearing other composers try their hand at Star Wars.
1: Yes. I mean, like Kevin Kiner has such done such good work with like Clone Wars and Rebels and I mm. loved Michael Giacchino's score for Rogue One and I loved John Powell's score for Solo, so I'm I love getting more Star Wars music.
0: Always a good thing.
1: Yep. Uh, Speaking of Celebration, uh, they announced that several voice actors will be attending, including Christopher Sean and Susie McGrath from Resistance, which I'm very excited about, um, as well as uh, Scott Lawrence, who plays Yeager, uh, longtime Star Wars uh, actor James Arnold Taylor. I'm so glad he's back. Me too. Um, And Matthew Wood. Who uh, does all of the, the battle droids, as well as Gen- General Grievous? And finally, Janina Gamokar. Uh, which is very cool. Yes, I'm very good. Yes. I, I'm i like, it's so funny because as soon as they announced it, Bria was like, I'm not going to hope for more Inferno Squad content, but I'm also hoping for more Inferno Squad content. <laughs> she's so nice, too. I'm yeah. sure she's very good in person. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that they get some of the other actors, especially TJ Ramini, because he's also really cool (laughs) and we can wear a del mico appreciation society shirts our little
2: del mico fan club
0: (laughs) good soft boy del mico
1: he's a good soft boy they're a good pair (laughs) uh finally we got some really awesome news yesterday uh, so distant w- screaming. Yeah,
0: I I apologize for everyone's timelines that I vomited on yesterday. Well, you were everyone
2: not everyone be- was do- doing that though. Yeah, it I- was the happiest I have seen my Twitter timeline <laughs> in months. I know. See, this is all you need to do. Lucasfilm
1: is give us pilots and we'll be happy. Uh, so we already knew that Alphabet Squadron was uh, coming out in June. Uh, it's written by Alexander Freed and it's about. Um, Six different pilots of with different uh, starfighters, um, so hence the alphabet, and they were going to be hunting down some Imperials, and it was going to be set after Return of the Jedi, which is my jam. Uh, so I was super excited Wait, already. They already
0: had me on that. Yeah, they
1: already had me. So then yesterday they dropped the news that they're actually it's actually going to be a crossover event with Marvel. Marvel is. Releasing a mini series starting in April called *Tie Fighter*, um, and this is going to feature an elite Tie Fighter squadron known as Shadow Squadron, and this is the group that Alphabet Squad Alphabet Squadron is going to go after. Um, they also revealed that um, Alphabet Squadron is going to be a trilogy. Um, all written by Alexander Freed. Uh, they revealed the cover. Um, and they uh, then Del Rey revealed some additional information. Uh, the cover is gorgeous. It features a lady pilot on the cover. And we were all like, OK, but who is she? Tell us more. And so her name is Eurica Quell or Erica. I sure. think
0: I think uh, internally Del Rey is pronouncing it Erica.
1: Erica, So Erika Quell. Um, she is an imperial defector. One of my favorite things. And Alphabet Squadron was sent on this mission to hunt down Shadow Squadron by none other than New Republic General Hera Syndulla.
2: Everything about this is so incredibly good. Yes, <laughs> like, it's all so great. It's like
0: the. They just layered every little detail yesterday and every layer yeah. just got better. Yeah.
1: Delray was just there. Delray was looking at it. They're like, Oh, did we not mention this? And I'm like, Thomas. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the fact that it was a. Th- the lead was so buried on the starwars.com article. Yeah. I'm sure they had a very good reason for doing it the way they did, but it was like. Okay, here's the co- here's the cover for a comic. Great. Oh, yeah. and it's by Jody Hauser, who's doing really good work on Age of Republic. Oh, and Alphabet Squadron's gonna be a trilogy, and then you hardly comprehend that, and then there's the cover with this like awesome lady X-wing pilot on it, yeah. and she has really great hair, and <laughs>
0: that hair I, is stellar.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm just really looking forward to more of kind of what we got in Twilight Company which was really great original characters a yeah. really um gritty and interesting and deep examination of, like, what it is to kind of really live in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And I love uh, Alex Freed's writing style. I love the way he kind of makes the Star Wars universe feel lived in in the same way that the movies do and to make it feel strange and mysterious. Um, he's worked on, oh, my gosh, what was the name of that Star Wars game that was about a system where the Empire hadn't revealed to its citizens uprising? that the Emperor was oh. dead? Was it Uprising? uprising it may have been Um, he did some of the writing for that and using that as an example for um, how he handles post Return of the Jedi stuff makes Mm -hmm. me just really excited to see what he's going to do with the politics of it and the different complex ways in which characters react to that um I just love everything about this. (laughs) Yeah, I am really excited. I
1: was not a huge fan of Twilight Company. Um, It wasn't the writing that bothered me, though. It was more just the story and the pacing. Like, I just, I couldn't get into it. Um, And I think it might have been just, it was the lead up to The Force Awakens, and I had such a one-track mind. Yeah. I mean, there were parts of it that I liked. Um, I didn't. I didn't read the Rogue One novelization because I usually don't read the novelizations, um, but I loved his story and from a certain point of view. So I'm really excited to see his take on the pilot fandom and uh, just this cover. So I'm staring at the cover now and I'm like, Oh man, I might have to cosplay her. I mean, <laughs>
0: the, the story matter and author match here are Perfect,
2: yeah, Yeah. well, because he
1: and he's like he's done so much work with games that I think he's gonna do well writing pilots because uh, you know, both Mike and Mike Stackpole and Aaron were were game writers before they wrote the X Wing book, so it just seems like a good tradition (laughs) to follow.
2: That's interesting, yeah. And as you said, his Mon Mothma story and from a certain point of view was amazing. And yeah. we can conceivably get Quell, Hera, and Mon Mothma together. Oh. Um, yeah. I'm just, like, in love with the name Quell. Yeah. His names tend to be really good. Like, some of them <laughs> are kind of typical Star Wars, like, yeah. key smash random words. <laughs> but some of them are, like nail for Jin's cellmate um, brand was the one of the Twilight Company members like right. the names are just so cool and I can't get over how well Quell just like fits into that
0: oh man Eric Erica Quell is just top tier Star Wars name
1: <laughs> I am I am really excited to learn more about the TIE Fighter series and like I'm thinking that that probably has to be the series like showing how she defects like i'm wondering if that's gonna be Ooh. that story
0: oh that's interesting uh,
1: because yeah. then then it'll like it'll show that story but also it'll give us like connection to the the tie fighter pilots themselves and so when she has to go hunt them down drama <laughs> I you was, know
0: I- i'm still hoping that one of the pilots he is eager. eager.
1: Yeah, I've I've been hoping that. Mm. I was but now after like the the last episode of Resistance from uh the f- the first half of the season, um I'm really kind of hoping that um Tora's mother is one right, of the right, pilots right. because her dad was an imperial. Um, and her mother, we know from the Women of the Galaxy book, was a pilot in the Rebellion. And I want to know how that happens. <laughs> I want the star-crossed Rebellion pilot Imperial captain uh, romance really still, badly. <laughs>
0: still one of my favorite tropes. They can use that whenever they want.
1: Yeah, I mean, they <laughs> did a whole book about it, Lost Stars. So, <sighs> and I'm like, I'm also excited to see if we get like. Um, just, like, cameos from other characters, like, you know, even just a mention of Wedge, you know, out somewhere. Um, We know that this takes place um, during the aftermath timeframe because um, Del Rey has... I think they, they had, like, a sort of blurb about it and they're like, in the aftermath, which was deliberately chosen, that word. So this is, like, concurrently to that, so...
0: I mean, I, I make everybody who listens to this show and knows anything (laughs) about me knows post Return of the Jedi pilot stories are my Star Wars jam.
1: This is like (laughs) this is the this is
2: the X Wing books we've been wanting in the new canon. See, the only reason that I hesitate over that comparison is because the X Wing books did are kind of known for like having a lightness, and they are war stories, but they are also like all simple was very good at jokes mm-hmm. and i don't think this is going to be that i think this is going to be a little grim more grim than that mm-hmm. but i don't know that's just not that
0: uh, yeah but the the, that the
2: comparison isn't there it'll at be all. more but it'll, tonally, it'll be, I was be, like eh. it'll be more of the x-wing
1: series during that chapter of iron fist <laughs> than uh like Starfighters of Adamar. Yeah.
0: Um, but the the more ma- the more s- macro point is, uh, it's badass normals.
1: Yes. Doing
0: badass things as the as the glue that just kind of holds the galaxy together. Yeah. Yes. And, and I am here for that.
2: Yes, and Quell is the X-wing pilot of the uh, of the team, which it can continues the uh, the. X-Wings are the best ship, and yep, I believe that, and-,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and this is proof of that. <laughs> um, it's funny because in Twilight Company, the X-Wing pilots were kind of snobbish, and they wouldn't talk to the infantry, and they were known <laughs> as being like kind of annoying, and then in Rogue One, obviously the largest portrayal of the x-wings is the end and then when they fire on their own people on edu so i'm really curious about how much this is going to be like a heroic narrative and how much of it is going to be like fighter pilots can kind of be jerks sometimes
0: yeah uh that is apparently true in real life as well according to various marines i've talked to where the uh (laughs) the uh, fighter jockeys are kind of well, i
1: mean we've all seen top gun, gun. yep <laughs> top
0: gun.
2: Uh, the right stuff yeah oh yeah uh yes
0: i've not been excited this excited for a, a book announcement in a long time <laughs>
2: yes yes i'm ready to just go full we're gonna, fandom on this one we're gonna get this book in
1: june and then thrawn treason in july and that's gonna be a really great two months for me
0: <laughs> it's a glorious time to be a star wars lit fan
2: yes it's a trilogy which means that the like our sadness cuz you know this book the, the alphabet squadron is just going to be like tearing everyone's hearts out. Our sadness is just extended. And yes. I personally am ready for that. I
0: I can't <laughs> wait to have my heart ripped out and stomped on. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yes. Uh Boy, that was so... Ah, yay, yay. (laughs) I I guess we should finally uh, get to our discussion topic this week. Yeah. Resistance.
1: Yay, resistance. So uh, we (laughs) talked a little bit about the first half of season one on the last episode, but we're going to go into it more in depth in this part, and then also talk about the second part, because we've had one episode so far, as well as a mid-season trailer, uh, which... Uh, showed some really interesting things uh, that bring up really interesting story implications. So uh, we talked about the first half of season one before. So Megan, what what did you think about Resistance? I know there are some parts of it that you weren't crazy about, but it seemed like overall you enjoyed
2: it. I think Resistance's strength is the exact same thing as its weakness. And that is that The momentum isn't quite there. Um, I was thinking before I came on here whether I would like this show as much if it was not a Star Wars show. Mm. And I think the answer to that is that it's kind of impossible to separate. Because this show does... At the same time as it is staying away from a lot of the movie content and coming up with new things, it also leans a lot on the glimmer of, this is a Star Wars show, you get to see droids and aliens that you're familiar with, and if it wasn't a Star Wars show, I don't think I'd be as into it. Um, there are things that I like about it. It's the complete opposite of Rebels, and that I really like all the episodes with cameos in them, because mm-hmm. I mostly care about the characters that are already from the movies, I have a lot of trouble with Kaz. Um not I don't think that he's written badly. I think the show is put together well. There's a lot of work that goes into the designs. It's just he's just not my type of character and his motivation I don't think he is, is moving is progressing very fast in, in terms of his mission and in terms of what he wants. Um kind of what he wants keeps changing and that is is a weakness in the story to me. Um so I'm a little I'm getting a little bit bored with resistance right now. But at the same time, I really like Yeager, I really like Phasma's appearance. Um there are parts that I like about it, but it just doesn't have the momentum to keep me really interested the way Rebels did. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Kaz is very much an anti-Feloni lead.
2: Yeah.
1: I I like him a lot, um, mainly because I, I feel like he's a good person. Um, and the show has done a good job of showing that. Um, I do want to start seeing more growth in him, which I think based on the trailer that we got we will um if not necessarily because of like him personally growing because of what is happening in the galaxy and he's going to be forced to um but like all of the environment of the colossus is great um i really like all of the supporting characters um and, yeah, Megan, you and I have Yeager and Freya headcanons. I know. Well,
2: unfortunately, our Yeager and Freya headcanons have been, like, like, uh, paused by the yeah. fact that she hardly appears in the show. I so know. So I was, like, all ready for them to be my Kanan and Hera. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm here for, like, the adult characters that I can ship together. But she's hardly in the show. Yeah. And I'm, I still am stuck on the fact that the aces are not main characters the yeah. way that marketing made it seem like they would like i understand um but i'm still a little bit like mm. yeah i had I, an expectation and it was not met you know yeah i am i am i do want
1: to see more of them like i like the shows that they've had but i'm also like i want to know more about you guys and i want i want to see you guys flying like they're all like great hype is great <laughs> freya just seems like very no nonsense and like i whenever i hear her i cannot help but think of (laughs) governor price (laughs) because it's the same voice actress and i'm just like imagining governor price as a fighter pilot (laughs) um but like the episodes with with poe have been great like oscar isaac is giving it his all Despite yes, that, it's a it's a children's show, and so is Gwendolyn Christie. But then again, she's like, finally, they're giving me
2: dialogue and I mean, things to do. They
0: both have every opportunity to just phone it in, and that they both commit so much just makes me happy.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Oscar Isaac especially did a lot with some very silly dialogue that yeah. he was given. And I love that Phasma is, has a fight scene. I love that she's shown as, like, you know, being in command and being frightening. Right. And I'm just always here for more of her. Um, I guess what we're talking about characters, my kind of surprise favorite character right now is Sinara. Because yes. I think she has a yes. really interesting choice coming up. Where yes. what, is she going to work with the the pirates or is she going to work with the uh aces and, and like what is her what drives her i i really like her and i have really interesting questions about her or I think the show raised really interesting questions about her yeah
1: i agree when she came on the show i was like yes this is great um i do i think it's interesting you said like you thought resistance's strength was also its weakness because i feel the same way in that I love all the different aspects of the show and all the different aspects of the Colossus. And, like, there's the Aces. And then there's the whole plot with, like, the pirates. And now we've got Sonara there. We have uh, uh, Kaz trying to be a spy, but also his work as a mechanic with Tam and Niku. And Niku's, you know, plots with the animals. And then there's, you know, all of the other you know, creatures and beings of the Colossus. Um, and then uh, Kaz goes elsewhere with Poe and uh, you know, to find out what the First Order's doing. So all of these things are going on, but that's also the problem because all these things is going on and we don't get a focus on, like, we don't get a good enough focus on them. So it's very, there's, there's so much stuff going on which makes it gives the series a lot of depth, but then we're stuck going, oh, but I want to know about this, and I want to know more about this, and I want to know more about this, you know?
2: Yeah, Kaz has not made too many decisions on his own yet in terms of actually moving the spy plot forward, Mm -hmm. and I'd like more of that, Yeah. but I like the pace of life on the Colossus. You can tell it's a very kind of hurry-up-and-wait place where, like, either nothing is happening and everybody has time to go to the bar or it's like there's a crisis and there are pirates and everybody has to mobilize and i think that's a kind of cool texture for it um but it makes the pacing a little weird yeah
1: yeah i can agree with that um so we did get a mid-season trailer which like the animated shows trailers are super epic, <laughs> but I've but I've also learned that they also mislead very well. Rebels trailers were very misleading at times, um, so you know I'm always hesitant to be like, "Oh, this is going to happen." But the one thing we see in the mid season trailer is Hux's speech at Starkiller Base, and it is definitely that specific speech. Um, Which is really interesting because a lot of people have theorized that the show is going to, like, go up to the TFA period, but that's during TFA. So I and we know that Kaz is from Hosnia Prime, or at least like his dad's a senator. So that is the thing I am really interested in. I want all of the drama And the angst from Kaz finding out that Hosnian Prime has been destroyed.
0: Yeah, they they appear to be veering very hard into uh, loss of innocence here.
1: Which, I mean, I'm here for (laughs) as a Star Wars fan.
2: (laughs) That's why Kaz has his symbolic haircut change yeah. because he's gone through a major transition in his life.
1: He's emo Cas. He doesn't yes. have time to brush it up and hairspray it. We're
0: getting a Spider-Man 3 Toby Maguire here.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we are not. <laughs> so in the notes you have a question. Are we moving past TFA and will we leave Castellan? And I think the answer to the first one is yes and the answer to the second one is no. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll see... The fallout on Castellan, but that the show will stay there, partially because they have committed so hard to developing the Colossus um, and kind of keeping it in that one location and making it a small scale story. That's just my prediction. I don't obviously, I don't know, but I that's I think we will see the fallout from that, but it will stay on that planet.
1: I would, I would, I wouldn't be mad if that happened like i really like the colossus so far and i think because it's like such a wayward place like i mean there's people who live there but it's also like where travelers come um it feels like it doesn't necessarily the people who live there don't have like that much of an identity like from being from that place um like it's not like ezra who is from lethal and that was such a big part of his identity but like but like it would be really interesting now if the first order is coming in and they take over and they are trying to fight back and take back the Colossus like it's gonna make people become more um, connected to and have more of like a loyalty to that particular place. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that, progresses and like especially people like yeager who you know live there but they're not from there you know and he's so much like i don't want any part of this like i'm really interested to see like how a character like him reacts to like the coming war and i would imagine like the idea of the first order being there as much as he says like i don't care he's going to
2: care about that Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he his reaction and Captain Doza's reaction are both gonna be interesting because so far Captain Doza has had this. I I feel the his relationship to the First Order is like a business person's relationship yeah. to the mob. And like they're seems, trying he, to yeah they're trying to get like protection money from him, and he's saying no. But he's not moving out of the neighborhood. So I'm really curious about what uh, where they go with him. And with Yeager, um, one of my favorite episodes this season was the platform classic where we got Yeager's history, partially because I just find that character yeah. charming, and also because it was sort of a more robust uh, backstory than we'd gotten for other characters. And so we see that sometimes he can, he reacts to things by, by pulling away from them and by becoming kind of cold, and it will be interesting... I guess the the story that's kind of spinning itself out to me is that uh Kaz is very is distraught because presumably his, his parents have died and Yeager is kind of unable to comfort him because the way Yeager handles grief is by shutting down. And that could be like the the emotional arc of the second half. But that's all speculation. That's all just like me writing fanfic now. <laughs> I mean, that's fair.
0: I'm still surprised that they're uh dovetailing into TFA this early in the show's run.
1: Yeah, because like TFA and TLJ are like basically back to back. So they're going to end up having to go past TLJ um which is another reason why Megan, I think your theory of them staying on Castilon is probably accurate because they can stay in that part of the galaxy and go forward in the timeline and not necessarily mess up anything with episode 9 or Whoa, spoil spoil anything with episode 9.
2: Yeah, that's a good point and that actually also makes me kind of go back on a theory I had because depending on how much time there is between episode 8 and 9, um, I had a theory or I had like expected that Kylo Ren would show up on the show one day oh, just because right. they've already had Phasma, they've already had Hux Kylo Ren is like He's a money maker. He's the character that's on all the toy like and they packages. mention and they mention him yes.
1: very reverently like Kylo Ren.
2: <laughs> yes. So I'm expecting he shows up on the show at some point. However, if this does I, like you made a really good point that the last Jedi comes right after the Force Awakens, so Kylo is occupied yes. during that time. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So I mean maybe he won't in yeah, this season. He could still show up if if
1: the end of the show is um like the stuff with the Force Awakens. Like it would make sense for him to show up before then. Um but you know, as sort of like a precursor to all of the the stuff going down, and then he gets called away because they they find the map, or they think they find the map, or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, episode nine will come out like during season two of the show, like mid season two. So, you know, I can see them doing stuff like post, like in between eight and nine but being very vague about what's happening elsewhere in the galaxy other than the fact like maybe the resistance is like building strength or whatever and they're trying to like help the war effort um because yeah we we have no idea how long it's going to be in between the movies uh Mm -hmm. there's so there's so much happening and we we haven't had this problem before because rebels took place you know in a completely different time period the only thing where there was any sort of like connection was with rogue one but because we kind of already knew the what the end game of rogue one it wasn't as like of a big deal if rebels you know was in that same time frame
2: but this is completely unknown yep <laughs> Yeah, I would very much like to see Kylo on it. So part of that's just wish fulfillment Mm because I think he would. Because I think he's a cool character and he would be cool in that style. But it all depends on how much time there is between eight and nine. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the easiest place to bring him on would have been this season. Yeah. But given that they didn't drop him in that mid season trailer, I don't think well, that's they, I, happening they saw,
1: they, there was a similar shuttle but I don't know if it was his shuttle or just the uh, Pyre's shuttle or
2: whatever I think they use the same yeah I was under the impression that yeah. that was Pyre's
1: I also like I do want to see him but I also don't because I want I want more Phasma <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I, I don't want please. her to be like overshadowed by him showing up like I want her to be like the big bad of the show kind of they could um, both show up. They could. They could. And then she could be like, I got it. Peace. You can <laughs> leave. I'm fine. <laughs> but yeah, like the, the thing with Hux was really like, okay, like I could see them getting news about Hosnian, but I guess that's how they get the news about Hosnian. Um, and it makes total sense that Hux would broadcast that throughout the galaxy because <laughs> he's such a tool. <laughs> I'm sorry and now I'm imagining Kylo like getting that broadcast over the holiday and being like oh my god why (sighs) why are you so dramatic yeah and then that that's like the most ironic statement in the world (laughs) that's true (laughs) look in a mirror dude (laughs) and that's
0: why they're great together
1: (laughs) exactly oh I really hope like episode 9 they're like just just sniping at each other and like Uh, I just want Kylo to just keep looking over his shoulder, looking over his shoulder. Hux is there. He's going to kill you while you're asleep.
0: (laughs) So uh, looking back the first half of season one, favorite character?
1: Mm, I would probably say Eager, just because I love the gruff, you know, pilot. He's so, like, he has such an interesting backstory. I want to know about him at the Battle of Jakku. I want him yeah. to, I want him to be in Alphabet Squadron so bad.
2: But I don't think <laughs> my, he will. My less indulgent answer is Sinara, but yeah. my real answer is Yeager, because I love his deadpan delivery of some of the lines, and the way he contrasts with other characters, and the way he's just like, get all these kids off of my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> I do really like Sinara. I want
1: to find out more about her and she's gonna have a very interesting choice
2: coming up um
0: and either either path she takes will be fascinating
2: yeah yeah Yeah, because there are potentially dire consequences either way yeah it's gonna be um i do one of my
1: favorite tropes is like the bad guy allying with the good guy to defeat the worst bad guy Um, Like an alliance of convenience. Um, And I would kind of like to see that with like her and maybe like the rest of the pirates realizing like, oh, crap, the First Order sucks for everyone. Let's fight them together. I don't know if that's going to happen because the pirates seem like very bad, you know bad people yeah i but, also want
2: to see her disavow the pirates completely but that would be a cool uh,
1: alternative yeah. yeah i just i just love that trope ever since buffy season two yeah. when spike came to help them <laughs> defeat angel I mean that, that's when
0: you know you've got a really interesting character is that you could go either way with these choices and yeah. the result would be excellent
1: well and that was one of the things i was i was Hoping they would do with Kylo in episode eight was do the whole like, okay, I have to ally with you guys to defeat Snoke, but obviously it didn't go that way. But I love that trope and want to see it more in Star Wars. <laughs>
0: and I love Niku.
1: <laughs> How could you not love Niku? <laughs> He's just so earnest about everything.
0: Ah, uh, good boy, Nico. Nico.
1: <laughs> I mean, like all of the mechanics, all, I, all I of love, Eager's. I love
0: his entire team.
1: Yeah, all of them are like Tam. Justice for Tam. Yeah. Justice
0: for Tam. Tam
1: is great. She's like, what the hell is wrong with you? And like, I really liked the episode with Tora. Um, I think she's she's really interesting, and like her family, I want to know more about. Like, how what happened? A, what happened to her mother? B, how did her parents get together if her mother was a rebellion pilot and her father was an imperial captain? <laughs> and why? what happened to make him leave the empire? Like, was it a willing thing? Was he captured somewhere? Did he just leave the empire? Because, oh, yeah, we got defeated, so I'm going to... Join the New Republic like everyone else. Yeah, so <laughs> I he will be an Alphabet Squadron. I, mm. I, I want them both to be an Alphabet Squadron so bad. So
0: yeah, I need to know everything about Eager's family. I need to know everything
1: about <laughs> Taurus family. And I liked I liked Eager's brother. Like that was such an interesting backstory and really tragic for a children's show. Um, and I thought it was like I thought the end of that episode was really interesting because, um, like yeager and his brother sort of came to an understanding but yeager still isn't like 100 like chummy and friendly with his brother because like his brother is the reason his wife and child died um which go which is a really good lesson for kids is that you can forgive someone but it might be really hard to let go of things if you do something really bad and like you can still keep trying to make amends but you know sometimes it takes a while for forgiveness to happen
2: that was one of my favorite episodes also and it was a good example of kind of what we've been saying all along about how the the relatively small stakes of the show are uh, both a strength and a weakness because I think you and I and a lot of other people were speculating on the, what is Yeager's tragic backstory it was his family killed by the Empire Were they captured I had my pet theory that his daughter was a knight of Ren for like a week <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, that
0: would have been fun. <laughs>
2: Right. <laughs> um, and then it turns out that it was this accident involving another racer who was his brother. And the fact that they kept it within the um, mythos of the show in that it was also about racing was, I think, a choice that really showed how resistance is keeping things small scale and how that can be used to emphasize Who the characters are and and what their relationships are um i think that episode bit off a little bit more than it could chew but ultimately it was one of my favorite episodes when i was reading about it in in preparation for this episode i found out that one of the behind the scenes things was that there had been an idea that han solo would actually be the other racer and then they changed it when i presume a, a bunch of other things would have been different as well they changed it when they kind of realized that having Yeager's brother there would be a, a really good dramatic point. But I just thought that was kind of fun that like we, we could have seen Han. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it was good that they ultimately decided against a Agreed. It, it a fun. What if? Yeah. And I,
0: I do wonder if uh, l- like you pointed out where this show appears to be intentionally a lot more restrained than clone wars and rebels was. I wonder, I wonder if they've course corrected too far where sometimes rebels and clone wars would tie itself into the greater narrative to a fault. And I wonder if maybe, uh, resistance is a little too splintered off at this yeah. point.
2: I, I agree. Or even if Kaz, If Kaz's personal story was a little bit stronger, I think it would feel less like it needed to lean on the... I think you would have fans, myself included, less uh, wanting it to lean on the larger stories more because it would feel more self-sustaining. Whereas, exactly like you said, Rebels did it too much and now Resistance is kind of lacking a little bit without it.
0: Yeah, and if... If ultimately Kaz's motivation is Hosni and Prime, then it's kind of the writing pitfall of starting the story too early.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, I, like, I don't really want to go into the whole, like, why did Poe send Kaz when he's a terrible spy? Uh, because people have talked about that enough. But like, I, I do want to see Kaz, like, grow a little more um he's obviously really dedicated to the resistance and i would like to like see that come out more and i think like if like how we had the episode with torah and her dad like made me a lot more invested in them like learning more about kaz's story like because he's the main character and yet we really don't know a lot about him yet and i think that's that would make me you know, way more connected to him if we just learn a little more. Because what we have about what we do know about him makes me really interested to know more. So
0: well, uh, and I think another thing right now and which is why some people have struggle with him is again they've kind of done the inverse rebels thing yeah. in which He is mostly pratfalls and faults, and a cup. (laughs) He's good at a couple things. Yeah,
1: but he's also like older. Yeah, but he acts younger. Yeah, he has. There's
0: there's a little bit of dissonance there.
1: He hasn't had to really uh, fend for himself. I mean, yeah, he's in the military, but he was in a military during peacetime, um, and he's now is the first time he's really been on his own. Uh, So I think he has a lot of room to grow, and I'm excited about that
0: yeah i I think the second half of the season is going to be real make or break for the show Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um so we'll see there
1: yeah yes what was your favorite episode so far
0: uh oh good question um come back to me (laughs) i should have thought of that before recording
1: megan do you have a favorite episode Oh, yeah, the, the platform
2: classic. Platform I classic. I also really liked Station Theta Black, mostly because of Phasma.
1: Yeah, that was one of my favorites because of Poe. <laughs> yes. But I really, um, I also, I think I think so far my favorite is the Doza, the Doza Dilemma, because I really liked all the, I, I like Tora, and I, I'm interested to learn more about their family. Yeah,
0: platform classic and Doza Dilemma, and funnily oh, wait, enough, wait,
1: wait. well, no, that's sorry, that was that was the wrong episode. I think it was Secrets and Holo- Doza Dilemma is an upcoming episode. Whichever
0: whichever one that, uh, yeah, I think Doza it was Secrets family one was. I think it was
1: Secrets and Holograms. Yeah, that was the one.
0: Funny enough, the two episodes that make me ask the most questions about uh, the backstory.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. <coughs> All right.
0: Uh, any last thoughts?
1: Oscar Isaac is really handsome in an animated
2: form. <laughs> they
0: finally found an action figure of him that looks good, and they just had to animate him first.
2: Yes. Um, overall, I do think the animation has done good things for these characters. Oh. The lighting is really great. Every scene BB-8 is in is just very cute. Um, the animation definitely grew on me after the initial shots that they had showed.
0: Oh, yeah, that was something I actually meant to put in the notes was talking about the animation. Mm-hmm. I love how bright and vibrant it is. It's a nice change of pace. Yes.
2: I, I have, uh, speaking of BB-8, I have questions about how much BB-8 weighs. It's okay. <laughs> doesn't matter. He yeah. weighs the weight of plot. It's fine. <laughs> uh,
0: there has been so many inconsistent portrayals through all mediums on that.
1: <laughs> I love, yes. um, I love him and Siebes. <laughs> he's got a new girlfriend <laughs> um I I think BBA
2: is the real spy <laughs> that's my that's my theory yes, I I would agree that's a good thing I think it's, do you guys actually if we if it's okay with kind of going on this tangent do you guys have like a theory for who the the, the mole is I don't
1: know if it's one person like because I think I th- I think Kaz is so set on there being one spy, but I think it's more that there's just a presence there in in general. And I think like I think if anyone, it might be Doza just because he's working with them. But I I I'm. It would be interesting if there is no spy in the way Kaz thinks that there I is a spy. I know who
0: I fear. It is who? Yeager.
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, that is right. my response. No. <laughs> Please. No, I'm like, give me all that angst. Please. (laughs) No.
0: I will not entertain this line of conversation. The (laughs) the other
1: theory that people have is that it's Niku, and I just don't, I think that's too far-fetched. I think that would be too ridiculous.
2: I think that would be a little too much, like, kicking the dog, and also it would be a lot like the Rodian in the first season of Rebels who had been brainwashed, and I don't think they want to do that again. Because I think if it was Niku, it would be brainwashing it would not be like Niku is malicious yes. in any way or is unknowing in in any way um I can't help but think that that would be the only way to go with that that would be at all satisfying from a character perspective would be brainwashing which like we've seen plenty of times before but I, I don't think they're gonna repeat it that closely yeah right
1: um I I could see it being someone like Aunt Z just because she knows everyone and like she's so like
0: plugged in yeah.
1: But again, like I don't think we've seen enough of her to have it be her. Um, I think if there is one particular person and it's not Doza, I think it being eager was, is the most logical, but I don't want that to be true.
0: My head says plausible. My heart says no. Well,
1: well, yeah. but, but also it would be really interesting because he is so much of a I don't want to get involved And his history is with the Rebellion. So the story reasons for why he would then help the First Order would be very interesting. Oh,
0: it would be the deepest cut.
1: Yeah. I'm like, what what happened to you, Yeager? Explain yourself.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's going to be him, isn't it?
2: Don't. Stop. I think that is one thing that speaks to the strength of the show is that we're all like braced for this like who's it <laughs> gonna be so that all, question is still an interesting question we're all braced for pain because we
1: know what this we know what this series does <laughs> we know what they do
0: <laughs> we know you Star Wars we know what you're doing yep you're going to hurt us yep alright well we will go ahead and wrap it up there Megan thank you so much for coming on
2: you're welcome I'm glad that the timing worked out Yes, start off the weekend with uh, talking Star Wars.
0: Listeners, I asked for a guest uh, yesterday at, like, (laughs) noon.
2: (laughs) Yesterday was such a day on Twitter because I had been like, I'm just going to do nothing on Saturday. It's going to be fine. And then you offered the very appealing prospect of talking about Resistance for an hour, so I agreed to that. And then the... Alphabet Squadron announcement happened. I keep almost saying Alphabet Company, and that is not what it is. <laughs> but anyway, um, and then that announcement happened, and I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about that. It's, it was very exciting. Yeah.
0: The stars just aligned. It worked out great.
2: Yeah. And I wore my, uh, Rebel
1: Pilot Ensemble yesterday. I wore my, um, rebel pilot sweater from muster brand and the rebel pilot scarf from muster brand and then at work i have my rebel pilot cape from Musterbrand brand <laughs> that i wear around the office because it's always cold instead of wearing a blanket so like i'm you know wearing my sweater and the cape and then this drops and i'm just like welp i am dressed appropriately <laughs> Delray.
0: Dress for the book launch. Dress for the book announcements you want.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Uh,
1: Megan,
0: uh, can you plug uh, what you're up to and where we can find you?
2: sure my hub is on twitter at blog full of words i write for den of geek my latest thing for them it was an analysis of uh, activision leaving Bungie to its own devices in terms of the destiny franchise um, i also write for starwars.com and star wars insider you can find on bookshelves now my interview with ian dosher who wrote the shakespeare's star wars series
0: very cool. And of course, we can also find you uh, here on the network uh, at Western Reaches and Vaughncast.
2: Yes. And if you want more about Resistance, I uh, also podcast on Blaster Cannon, where we've talked about the, uh, the show a couple times.
0: Very cool. OK, we'll go ahead and wrap up there. This episode of TSR has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash Tashi Station. The one dollar level gets you in with our Patreon exclusive Slack channel. And we can talk about resistance there, and we source a lot of our podcast material from there. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi Uh, you can find Nancy with Nancy Pants. That's Nancy with an I. You can find me with Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. You can find our columns and news at TashiStation.net. Uh, you can subscribe to this show and other shows via the Yeah, Tashi Station Network mega feed, and every show has its own unique channel. Uh, If you like what you hear, do leave a review. It helps us grow the show. Thanks for listening to another episode. We will catch you all next week. So long, everyone.
1: Bye.
0: PSR is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Visit patreon.com slash TashiStation to help us keep the lights on and to get access to our Patreon exclusive Slack team.